This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. What is prayer? And why do we do it? And why is it sometimes just really boring? Or hard? Or frustrating? Or maybe we really enjoy it. We run to the opportunity to pray. We find ourselves in the Adoration Chapel, clutching our rosary beads, or flipping through sacred scripture, or taking that 30 minutes first thing in the morning to really contemplate and think about the the presence of God in our lives. Or maybe we hate it with every fiber of our being. It's really difficult. It's really hard. We don't feel like he's listening. We have nothing to say. There's a, a spectrum when it comes to prayer. And just like there's a spectrum when it comes to individual prayer, there's a spectrum when it comes to how we pray as a couple, how you pray with your boyfriend or girlfriend, with your fiancé, with your spouse, how you pray with your kids, how as a family prayer is or isn't a priority because of perhaps some of those struggles we might have on our own. And we can't do a series on Catholic family life We can't talk about the Catholic family if we don't also talk about the reasons that the Catholic family needs to pray. And we have a few episodes where we unpack this, but I think we're starting with the conversation, the the penultimate conversation, the, the quintessential conversation, the one that has to be had right at the top. How do I pray with my spouse, with the one that I am in covenant with, with the one that I am raising children with? with the one that I am walking through life with, oftentimes the challenging and tough and hard moments of life, how do I pray with them? Because prayer is one of the most intimate things that we can do with another person. Prayer is the pouring out of my heart to the Lord, and if I'm praying with my spouse, that means we're pouring our hearts out together, or they're listening to me pour my heart out, and then they know what's going on. They know what I want to talk to God about. And revealing what you want to talk to the Lord about with another person, well, in some sense, that might even take you to the next level of closeness, of intimacy, of relationship. My husband and I, and I'll tell this story later in the season, we met on Facebook. We were long distance for 15 months. And we had to learn very early on as a long distance couple what it meant to communicate. And a lot of times we we did it pretty poorly. Sometimes we did it really well. Obviously, we stuck together, and now we have two kids. But the the first real hurdle that we figured out as a young Catholic couple was how to pray together. We'd be super straightforward and simple, just a Hail Mary or an Our Father before we, you know, hang up the phone on our nightly calls. Eventually, we would start both going to adoration at the same time, and and we'd journal and we'd share with one another later on what we'd kind of talked to the Lord about. Every now and then, we would call each other and just spontaneously pray, which spontaneous prayer over the phone, it's about as awkward as you think it is. But we would pray together as a, it was a priority for us. We weren't always good at it, and sometimes it was really hard, and sometimes it was really frustrating, but it, it helped us really plant some, some firm seeds together that have grown into fruitful prayer lives on our own and a fruitful prayer life together that is hopefully going to manifest in the life of our family. 
this is something we have to talk about. How do we do it? Why do we need to do it? And what's important about doing it? And today's conversation with uh, my good, good friends, Jackie and Bobby Angel, we unpack that. We unpack the concept of communication within a marriage, communication together, and communication with the Lord, and how that weaves together the family fabric. Now, right here at the top, I know some of our listeners to this show are not married. Some of the people that are, are listening to this, they're their spouse maybe isn't religious or, or has no desire whatsoever to engage in prayer. Don't, don't turn off the show just yet. Because Jackie and Bobby really present, I think, a beautiful snapshot and picture, both of the story of how they met, which is one that is very providential and, and absolutely adorable, and you're going to love it. But they also then walk through the ways that individually they discerned and prayed, and how that led them into an intimacy of prayer as a couple. So this this show is not just about, and this whole series is not just about married people with kids. It's about how family life is something that is developed throughout our whole lives. That, that the prayer life that I have right now as a single person, as somebody who's discerning religious life or the priesthood, as somebody who's dating or, or, or engaged or newly married or married for 50 years, that my own personal prayer life feeds into the prayer life between my spouse and I, but the, the, the prayer life of our family, the prayers that we say with our children. The point being, when we have a conversation about prayer as a married couple, we're really also talking about how prayer from a married couple only really happens if there's prayer as an individual. And I want you to stick around for that conversation. I want you to stick around and hear this story. I, I really think you'll grow a lot from it. Um, Jackie and Bobby are two of my dearest friends and, and people that I want you to know and, and people that I want you to follow. Jackie travels across the country and speaks, so does Bobby. By day, Bobby is a campus minister and teacher at a high school in Southern California. They've got four beautiful children. They have become dear, dear friends of mine. Anytime I'm in Southern California, I'm at their house having cheese dip and queso and, and probably tacos and playing dress up with their daughters. Um, they're an amazing family and, and one that I have grown very, very close to and one that, that I've learned a lot from. You know, Jackie and Bobby uh, were ahead of Tommy and I by a couple of years, both with their long distance and then their engagement and their new marriage and, of course, with kids. And so I often look to them almost as a little bit of a template. They know they're not perfect, and I know they're not perfect, but I still know that they're striving and they're working really hard, and that's something really cool to get to see as a friend and to get to follow along with. And so I got to sit down with them and have this conversation. They were in their garage uh, for the first part of the show. Jackie had their newest baby on her lap. And then at, at some point she goes and she passes off that baby to her mom and comes back and finishes the conversation. It was a, an awesome opportunity to just visit and to catch up, but to also glean some wisdom from them. You know, this entire conversation fits so perfectly into our entire Ave Explores series on the Catholic family life uh, that we're called to lead and the, and the ways the Catholic family can influence the world. And, and you can find all of that awesome content over at AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up for the weekly emails, the Facebook Live notifications, all the podcast episodes, videos, articles, everything that we've created to really have this honest and authentic conversation about why the Catholic family is so important and, and why it matters in the world today. So this conversation today, I think, really sets up the entire series really, really well, how prayer and communication and honesty and openness is essential is, is a necessary way of being as a Catholic family in order for that Catholic family to thrive. So without further ado, this excellent conversation with my good friends, Jackie and Bobby Angel. 
Well, Jackie and Bobby, thanks so much. It's great to see y'all. I wish it was uh, over queso, but that's okay. I know. I can't believe they already canceled. Yeah, everything. Like 2021 is going to look weird too. Um, 2021, we'll get back to normal. Universe will fix itself. You hope. You hope. I hope. Fingers crossed. Um, but thanks for thanks for taking the time this morning. Um, I love that y'all are in your garage. I just want everybody to know that hiding from your four children, um, which is what we have to do these days. It's the one room that's reasonably safe from a toddler. <laughs> Not invincible, but reasonably safe. Yeah. We have edit power. Well, tell us. I mean, I think most people listening will know who you guys are. But who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you in the garage? <laughs> You're Jackie and Bobby Angel, and I'm a, well, I would say I'm a full-time traveling speaker, but not now. <laughs> um, a songwriter, we both, Bobby is a campus minister and theology teacher at All Boys Catholic High School, um, and we've written a couple books together. We do a webcast through um, Ascension Presents on YouTube, and yeah, we have four four children, five and under, with a five-year-old's me six, so it really is me like six and under, Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, Podcast over. They have a successful Catholic marriage with four kids under the age of six. And they're all wonderful kids. I wish I could meet Queen Esther sooner rather than later. Um, I think I've met all your kids like right around infancy, except Abby. Um, because we're normally, you know, in Southern California at some point. But there she is. Hello, Esther. For those who can't see, we're video calling. Um, <laughs> Describe her. Yeah, she's got cute little elvish ears. She could be a hobbit. Uh, (laughs) Who do y'all think she looks more like? I well, we saw a big picture of Bobby, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's got his eyes, and she's got the yeah, the ears. Um, But maybe Bobby's mom. I haven't seen any baby pictures of his mom, so we'll have to. Yeah. Yeah. When you sent the first picture to the text message, it was like a carbon copy of Zaley. I thought. Yeah. Um, She's but kind of, I'm not seeing the red hair. You still just have the one redhead. Uh, it's kind of blondish right now, the Sandy Blonde, this kid. Yeah. So the, the redhead stands alone. She is, she's the firecracker of the bunch. Well, this is actually a perfect first question then. So you just had a fourth baby in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we were planning for it. We were pregnant yeah. and, had, and delivered a child during pandemic. Rolling so. the dice and saying, hey, would it be cool if? Well, we yeah. were. I was pregnant. <laughs> I did most of the work. <laughs> It's true. We got to give the dads credit. How's the transition been? I mean, to go from three to four this is a little out of order, but it'll make sense when we talk about marriage. I mean, everything in marriage and family life is kind of like a constant state of you, you hit a groove and then it changes, whether it's a pandemic, a new baby, a new job, um, a broken fridge, like all of the, how, how do y'all handle in your married life, major transitions like that? Well, yeah, you're kind of always recalibrating at new stages. Number four, we had a friend, we had a couple friends who have like seven kids, eight kids, and they're like, number three is the hardest because then you're outnumbered. And they're like, after three, you can have 30. <laughs> because they're like, you're outnumbered, but then after, bless you, Esther. Um, oh, bless you again. After three, you basically have kids who start getting old enough to help. Mm-hmm. Unless you have like six under seven, which I know some families like that. Um, <laughs> God love them. Yeah, it's like what's like our like our Abby, who's five and a half. She is a big helper. She loves holding the baby. She loves, you know, like the, even this morning, I was still so tired. Esty, we call Esther Esty. Esty was waking up, and Abby kind of climbs into bed and keeps her company and just starts talking to her for a while while I get to like kind of keep sleeping. <laughs> so 
the oldest, yeah, when the kids start getting older, they become way more helpful. Our friend Sarah Spofford was like, the hardest is when you have two under two. Mm -hmm. And because no one can take care of themselves. Like now our older kids, our older kids can start dressing themselves. And, you know, they can do a lot more. They're potty trained. So it's, it's a lot easier. But three, I think, was the hardest yeah, I mean, I handle it by going into the fetal position and crying <laughs> once, an hour, dad. once an hour for about two minutes, and then I get back to it. Yeah, and now during the pandemic, he's been home all day, and so he, like, he's, why, why like... Which is great. Yeah, it's I, awesome, it's, thank it's, God. It's, it's, you know, the silver linings, it's time I would not have gotten mm-hmm. uh, with my family. Like, he would have had to go, you know, back to work after two weeks of paternity right. But uh, as an introvert, yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> a true. lot of people. Bobby and I are friends. A lot of yeah. people. But now, but now he sees why when he is in school at like 2 o'clock, I'm like, when are you coming home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That you start watching the clock. <laughs> yeah, but I, I go back to that word recalibrate. It's always like, okay, I've been praying by myself forever. Now I'm married. How do we do this thing together? Mm-hmm. Now we, we're in a groove as a married couple. Now we, kid number one comes. And now we've got to figure out life again. And I was in the seminary and um, there are years where I'm able to do a holy hour and the liturgy of the hours and have my own chapel time. And then to go from that to the life of a lay person who's working and to just realize, okay, the, the time commitments have changed. Mm-hmm. You can't beat yourself up if you're not able to do what you used to do in that different season of life. Cause now you're given new blessings and challenges. Right. And how do I hear God and work uh, with what I'm given in the here and now? And sometimes all the prayer can be is a Hail Mary during a change, a filthy diaper. Right. Or just a good God. Yeah. (laughs) And that's my prayer. Oh, God. It's both an exasperation and a cry for help. (laughs) Why, Lord, why? Yeah. I was was going to daily mass since I was 18. When I had a conversion, I started going to daily mass, started reading scripture. Again, I could do holy hours. I read the whole theology of the body in like a coffee shop. You know, I just had time upon time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was going to daily mass, even with the two kids with Abby and Zaley. And then when I was pregnant with Johnny and I was in so much pain, like those last four months, um, I couldn't even pick up the kids and they were little. And so they were runners they were still like runners. I just, at that point, like, I was like, I can't even pick them up. I'm in a lot of pain with this baby in my belly. So I had to stop going. And it was kind of, it was a really tough thing because I was like, this is for the last, gosh, how many years? Because I mean, I was probably like, you know, for 15 years, I've been going to daily mass. And then all of a sudden, just, just kind of have to stop. It was rough. And even now, I'm like, I'm so outnumbered. I don't know how, I know that there are moms who do it. But again, I have to kind of probably wait till I was a little bit older. And Zaley too, because Zaley's still in the uh, non-rational phase of life. <laughs> Once she's rational, we will probably be able to go back. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all, though? Aren't we I all? think we're all. I mean, Rose is three next month, and the way she can reason her way into something mischievous, oh, is, yeah. it's profound where she learned that skill. But then, uh, okay, so let me reason right back. Impossible. Like, nope, that's the only way that it can be seen. She's Bobby, in the stage, right? And she's in the, uh, what do I call it? So they have like the tantrum phase, the meltdown phase, and then they have the mischievous oh, yeah. phase. She's like, a weasel. A cute yeah. weasel, and I love her, but a yeah. weasel. <laughs> so we have a friend who told us like once they turn five, it's like magical. Yeah. And we saw that with Abby. I mean, it's not like she doesn't still, you know, have some tantrums, or doesn't cry, you know, but it is. Five was kind of this magical, like, whoa, 
you're actually not having meltdowns anymore. We can ask you. I mean, it was great. She's she's doing her taxes. (laughs) She's contributing to the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we're waiting for Zaley to get there. Once Zaley gets there, I think life will be a lot easier. We'll settle. Well, so Bobby, you mentioned you were in seminary. Uh, Jackie, you mentioned you were reading Theology of the Body in Coffee Shops. I love the story of how the two of you met because it was very much a, um, a Catholic love story that everyone knew because it was so beautiful. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how the two of you met and bumped into each other? Uh, that story. Yeah, in the beginning. <laughs> Actually, literally, we pretty much almost bumped into each other. I remember the first time I met you. So Bobby was in seminary for a year and a half at this point. So after college, I, throughout college, I was I was feeling a tug towards the priesthood. I didn't want it. I was running away from it. I said, God, I like girls a lot. Like, this is not going to work. But he kept, you know, just was relentless and uh, like, follow me, follow me. And so finally I said yes and uh, was discerning the diocesan priesthood um, for the diocese in St. Petersburg, Florida, St. Pete, Tampa. And Jackie's a California girl. And we met in the romantic Amish countryside. <laughs> Of Coryville, Pennsylvania, at the White Black Rock Retreat Center. Mose was running around in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It but it was a uh, Christopher West, like his. Um, he's on the board for this Theology of the Body Institute, and they put these week-long retreat slash courses on that rotate different instructors and professors. We've been blessed to have Peter Kraft, uh, Bill, D- Bill Donahue. Yeah. You had. Oh, I had um, Dr. Waldstein, who mm. he translated. Oh my gosh, for one of the courses, it was like. This guy speaks like 10 languages. He's like eight kids. It was like being in the presence of Pope John Paul, like someone who's so brilliant, but so humble, joyful. You were just like, it was refreshing. You know, it was like being in the presence of a saint. Gosh. Um, but so Bobby, his, was it your first year of seminary? Christopher West came and spoke at the seminary. Yeah, he did like a TOB in a day. And I had heard it before, but it, in college, but it never really pierced through. And it was like, there I was ready to rehear the message and re- commit my life to this. And it was a really Holy spirit moment. We said, we do these week long courses and I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to go to this. Like, I feel like God prompted me and my bishop's like, sure, go. And, um, yeah. And so we both went on the first week separately of, of TOB. And then the second TOB too, we, that was when like, Lily, you almost bumped into me. I was like, I remember, do you remember how, where I was? Well, I don't know if you do. It, I do. Was you were reading or I was reading? I, well, one of it, yeah, either I, I was reading um, this thing, and all of a sudden Bobby comes up, and I look over, and it's like, oh, boy, this guy's handsome. And then I find out he's in seminary. I'm like, oh, come on, Lord, why? Why do you always take these good-looking men, you know? But I wasn't like, so it was just, there were a lot of young adults on the week, and, um, like, Barry Bielski was there. Megan Mastriani was there. We just had a lot of great people. And so all the young adults kind of band together because there's, like, 100 students, but we all get to know each other. And I was just like, oh, this – you know, Bobby was just funny. He was wearing terribly ugly shoes. I was just happy. Uh, <laughs> I just remember the ugly shoes. I was, I was actually the girl was talking to me. You know. <laughs> so we just kind of, again, like kind of like all the young adults, we kind of just became friends. And basically a year and a half goes by, and Bobby and I are on another course, a theology of body course together. And that year, you this is your third year of seminary, at the end of the third year, and you basically... In that third year, I was starting to discern a call to marriage and feel like this has been a blessed journey. I met some amazing guys, um, grown obviously in in prayer life and my own personal life, and and just untangling a lot of sin and egoism. And but really, like I feel like God, marriage is where I'm supposed to be to be most of me. It's like God, you got to give me a sign that's loud and 
blonde and obvious and just, <laughs> I'm kind of dumb, so I don't want to miss it. He was basically like, I, I will not leave seminary unless, again, I have this, like, God, like you are loudly telling me. And so when we re-met on this course, it was interesting. Like, it, was, it was the Peter Crave philosophy of John Paul II course. So Yeah, it was Peter Crave's course. You couldn't imagine anything more romantic. Right. <laughs> well, we were sitting next to each other, Bobby and I. Bobby, like, asked me to save him a seat next to me and this little man over here, big man, not little, sorry. Uh, and anytime Peter Crape would talk about like sex or like whatever, you're like, don't look at each other, don't make eye contact. Yep. And then there was like, there were some times like he'd make a joke and you know how you like laugh or like look at someone, but you're like looking too long. And you're like, oh boy, I need to stop looking, stop looking. So. <laughs> because you were still in seminary, Bobby. Yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah, correct. <laughs> like we're in like an interrogation. No, <laughs> correct, yes. Um, yeah, and, and basically, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, Mr. Seminary Boy, you, you know? And so, probably the third day, because, again, there were things that I was seeing. The third day, she small groups me. <laughs> I did. I was like, can we talk? And Because and, I hate it in movies, like, where nobody says anything. You know, I that's like, I can't stand it. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask, like, what's what's going on? Like, I literally just said, so what's what's going on in your heart? You know, because I, I am very intuitive. I see when a guy has that... The, the the glimmer the glimmer oh sorry baby I see when the guy has a glimmer in his eye and I'm like oh boy I see that look and uh, so I asked what's going on in your heart and and I try to be very clinical <laughs> just like okay so there you know there may or may not be a, a veiled or thinly veiled attraction here um, <laughs> clearly the biochemistry in my brain. <laughs> Not, no, he uh, didn't say that, but he literally did say there may be a veiled or, or not so thinly veiled attraction here. And he's like, you know, you're beautiful, funny girl. Like, it was hilarious. Like, he's just trying to be very, uh, again, Dip- he was diplomatic. Objective. Yeah. Like, there's an attraction, you know, and I li- I'm just sitting I like, there. I like diplomatic. And then she sits there <laughs> like two minutes. No, not two. It probably felt like two minutes. It was probably like 10 seconds of it silence. It felt like two hours. You know, when you're like small gripping somebody and you just receive it. You just nod and you're like, mm, yeah. tell me more. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, clearly I'm attracted to you too, but that doesn't have to mean anything if you're mm. called a priest. Because I talk about that too. Like you can be attracted to someone who's married. You can be attracted, right. attracted to a priest. It doesn't have to mean something. You can just say, thank you, Lord, that this is an attractive person, you know? Um, so I just kind of put that, but you know, because I didn't know where he was in his discernment. And so I'm like, but it doesn't have to mean anything if you're going to become a priest. Like, it's not like you're never going to be attracted to people. So, but after that, after that was kind of out of the bag and he knew it was reciprocated, he was a goner. I thought it was one-sided and I would just take this thing to the grave and never say a word. This famous female evangelizer and you would always be like, oh, what could have been? <laughs> Well, what's funny is when he went back to seminary and he was really like, you know, we talked to his uh, spiritual, his spiritual director. director and his formation, all those guys, and he decided to leave. Um, it, basically, he had a friend who had followed me on Twitter and who was like a music minister. And Bobby's like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving seminary. And he's like, oh, okay, great, great. He's like, what, what's your name, man? So I can pray. And he tell, he's like, it's Jackie Francois. He's like, he throws down his book and he's like, he's like, what the boop? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, go, man, run, get out of here. He's like, you run to California, boy. <laughs> so that, so I wanna, I wanna pick up on a thread here though, because it sounds like there was this mutual attraction. Um, yeah. There was this acknowledgement of like there could be something here. How are you each maybe unpacking that on your own? Because there's this 
this tendency sometimes where people are like, oh, well, my value doesn't begin until I meet the person. And we all know that's not true, that there's great value in the discernment phases of life. There's great value in the single life. Like as you were both experiencing these attractions and feelings, but like also how are you maintaining that sense of balance of like, my life is still valuable and worthy if this doesn't work out or even as just like a single person discerning. Yeah, for sure. Cause there's that tendency to think my life won't begin until mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a relationship. Um, even as a seminarian, it's kind of this weird limbo stage where you're just like this advanced altar boy. <laughs> like you really can't do it closer and closer. <laughs> yeah. You get up there and you're altar serving just like when you were 10 and there's not much more you can do. Like, I can sit with the pastor for stuff. I can help out youth group, but like you can't give a homily homily into your deacon. You can't um, provide people the sacraments. So you are kind of going a little bit crazy in the seminary, especially if you have been serving for a long time in your parish or however capacity. So there is this intent, um, intense years of focus where the Lord is forming you before you are a priest. Mm-hmm. It's tempting. Even then I felt like you're still kind of stuck. Like I haven't, I can't do what I signed up for yet. And um, that tendency to think like my life doesn't start until I'm ordained. And so it just feels like now you're not, you're not dating for seven months. You're dating for like seven years until I get to like get to the mm-hmm. finish line. But the whole, that whole temptation and to reframe it as my life is, is right here, right now, the present moment, the day. And I can't control much beyond that. And I think the whole COVID-19 thing has shaking a lot of people in their industry relationships on and on of- but even in their we feel like even katie you and i as speakers like mm-hmm. our work come from traveling like our yeah. you know it's you're kind of like recovering like if i lost all of that mm-hmm. am i still gonna be okay mm-hmm. you know i mean like again our worth doesn't come from a romantic relationship like our work doesn't come from certain like we have to it just reminds me again, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, Avila, like God alone is enough. Mm-hmm. Like, do I believe that? Or does my worth come from like, I'm in a relationship? It helped that Bobby and I both had a conversion around 18 at a student mill conference separately. Um, so we, we both came out of youth ministry. So that was like a, because I dated a girl that was like anti-youth ministry. She didn't care for it. And I'm like, this is going to be rough. And yeah. It's <laughs> a huge part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we both for 10 years were able to allow God to form us. And I really, as a single person, I really was like, Lord, if you want to take me now, like I'm, I, I want to be with you in heaven. And I am kind of macabre. Like I've been thinking of death since I was five, the whole memento morium. Like I totally understand that I'm not dumb enough. Like two of my friends who have a tattooed on their chest, one of it, one of them has a tattooed backwards. So he looks in the mirror. I'm like, you're even more dumb. Um, <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> but I've, I've been memento mori since I was like five. And I really, during that stage, I was like, Jesus, you are my bridegroom. And if you take me now, like I will be married with you in heaven. Like that's like my greatest joy. So my life as a single person was very joyful. I got to serve. I got to travel the world. You know, I, because I had married friends, I got to see my married friends with kids and I got to see that life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be appreciative of singlehood right now that I have a lot of time. I have, you know, because I knew like, I knew once you get married, have kids, you're, it's so beautiful. And I want, you know, I want to have a husband, but, but I knew that there were going to be things I couldn't do or just lessons, you know, like I can't just hop on a plane right now and buy a plane ticket to Italy. Well, I mean, I can't anyways, because the whole pandemic thing, but, <laughs> but in general, yeah. But back when I was single, I'm like, awesome. I got money in my account. I can just go buy a plane ticket mm-hmm. anywhere I want and go on vacation, you know? So Basically, I feel like we were both satisfied with God. I, obviously, there, there's still 
there's a longing to be loved, and especially if you feel a call to marriage, you still long for a spouse, but both of us were being formed by God. So we were two, I always, someone had that analogy, like two strong trees, like you're not leaning on each other for strength, like you're strong and you're in and of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I always tell single people, I'm like, listen, if you're a miserable single person, you're going to be a miserable married person. Because we think that marriage is going to fill this gaping hole or it's going to heal us of our wounds, our past abuses, our mental illnesses. We think it's like, it's going to fix everything. It's like, no, if anything, it exposes, like people absolutely believe like, oh, well, I can look at porn now. And then once I get married, I won't look at it anymore. It's like, nope, nope, that's not going to happen. Like every wound you have or any, any issues you have, that's absolutely going to be exposed in marriage and it's going to come to the light and it's going to be rough. So whatever, whatever bandaid or pacifier you have now, is going to stay there right? unless you get to the bottom of it. And so both Bobby and I were allowed to be healed. And, and I'm just really grateful. Like in Bobby shares it in seminary, that's when he rooted pornography out of his life. And as a wife, I am so thankful that he had like accountability in the seminary. He has amazing friends. Like I'm so thankful for that time he spent in seminary to become formed. Cause I literally remember saying to myself, I could be a nun Cause I was going to daily mass adoration. Like I, and I, I looked at being a nun, like I, I discerned um, certain orders and stuff. And I was like, I could be a nun, but I'm not called to be a nun. So I knew in my head, I'm like, I, I need a guy who could be a priest. Who's not called to be a priest. Hmm. It's not like I was out there. Robert Fiducia joked to me one time um, after a, bo- a boy broke up with me. He's like, you know, just go to the nearest seminary with your shiniest rosary, Jackie. And just go, I was like, Robert, it's like my, <laughs> one of my, big brothers and I was like you're funny but I definitely wasn't like searching I was not a chalice chipper so this whole thing was kind of out of the blue the beauty of it was also because I was quote off limits even for myself mentally like we just there was no ulterior motive all we could be was friends Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like how do I manipulate the situation how do we flirt how do we whatever right really was like there's a line in the sand and I just have to get to know her as a friend and vice versa and so God kind of protected us from whatever temptations there might have been to flirt um you know jump to the staying up till two in the morning writing mixed tapes together <laughs> on the first in interaction and just the forcing of like slowing it down so i think right. you suck at that as a generation like oh yeah slowing down the whole dating get to know each other process mm-hmm. i really i thought i mean i Again, I had such a love for him as a brother in Christ. Like, man, this guy's going to be an awesome priest. Because I've met attractive dudes who were in the seminary. Like, I've met a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, again, meeting Bobby, I'm like, oh, this guy's so handsome. But, again, the, the first time I met him, I was like, he's great. The second time I met him, there was something different. Like, I was like, whoa. It, it was just people say, like, you know and you know. And mm-hmm. these people, I think people, we hate that phrase. But it's kind of true. There was something like, whoa. As I got to know him on a deeper level, you know, some people, as you get to know them, they're not as great as you thought they were. And it's kind of disappointing. Well, with Bobby, it's like every time I spent with him, I was like, whoa, this guy's even funnier than I thought. This guy's even more humble than I thought. Like, it was just, there was this... It was it, peace. Well, it was a peace. And, it, and I love that I heard a nun one time say she felt like she was home. Hmm. Like, to describe what it felt like to find your vocation. Like, you feel like there's, like, home. And for uh, a male-female relationship, it's, like, it felt like there was, like, he was my best friend. Like, I knew him for years. Like, there was this real comfortability. Like, whoa, Hmm. I can really just be me. I'm not pretending to be someone else. Like, in other relationships, I was afraid of being too holy. I was afraid of being too goofy. And with Bobby, it's, like, I could fully be my goofy self, my holy self that likes to go to mass and adoration. And he was right there with me. It wasn't, like... I had to drag him along. He was like, whoa, there's this guy. 
And so it was just this really, during that week, there was something, again, you feel this connection, like, oh my gosh, like, what the heck? Like, it was a friendship. It wasn't just attraction. Like Chica, our friend Chica, she was like, going to your wedding, it felt like the most logical thing. Like, it wasn't this emotional. And for Bobby and I, there were those emotions and those butterflies. And, but there was like this deep, like, I really love you as my brother in Christ, first and foremost. And I want the best for you. So even for me, even as we were dating, I was like, I just want the best for you. Cause that's what love is. Like, I really want the best for you. And if that's not me, I'm going to be okay. Like if that is it, you are called to be priest. I'm going to be okay. If that is it, you're called to be with another woman. I'm going to be okay. Cause I love, I I really do love him and I want the best for him. And I know if that's not me, then I, I'm going to be okay with that. You know, I love that concept of you want what's best for them, because I think that sometimes gets lost in both the discernment phase, the dating phase, but then like when marriage begins and the honeymoon is over, whether like the literal physical honeymoon you go on and now you're back home and, oh my gosh, this person doesn't put the cap back on the toothpaste. And I didn't know that 20 days ago, but now I do know that and it drives me insane, but I'm going to, I'm going to let that, if if you can't tell, that's a frequent battle in our home, Uh, but I'm going to let it go. I'm just going to put the top back on and I'm going to, you know what, like that's my gift to him this morning is I'm not going to complain about that. Um, how then do you consistently recalibrate making sure that's your focus in the trenches of marriage? One kid, zero kids, 20 kids, every, every pandemic or not, job security or not. Like what's that daily recalibration look like of putting the best for them first? Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Listen yeah, up, guys. It's just a, an attentiveness <laughs> to have to the other. You get to know them as a person, their temperament, their... You know, if they're extrovert, they're introvert, they need their alone time, they need time to exercise. You kind of learn, like, what do they need to be whole? Mm-hmm. And how can I help their day instead of adding stress to it? And the whole kids, yeah, yeah they take up 95% of your energy. And so as a marriage with Jackie, it's like, I had no, I had little to no experience with babies and kids and all that stuff. So it was unknown, but it wasn't terrifying because I felt like I had a teammate we're going to figure it out together. Um, but they take up a lot of energy and it's easy to let your marriage go on the back burner and you stop praying together. You stop fostering that relationship. Or again, all you have together are the leftovers at the end of the day. Hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jackie and Bobby Angel. Not only is their story of how they met really both intriguing and adorable, but I think really a snapshot of how the Lord invites us to discern something and to truly work for the the happiness and the goodness of the other person. We're exploring all of those ideas over in our Catholic Family Life series, the entire Ave Explorer series, with articles, videos, other podcasts. You can find everything on AveMariaPress.com. Sign up for the free emails. It'll come once a week for the next few weeks on Wednesday mornings. Uh, You can also sign up for our giveaway that has a lot of awesome books and and a really cool pillow, a sign that says, Be Not Afraid from St. John Paul II. Um, some really great things to remind you of the beauty of Catholic family life. So hop on over to AveMariaPress.com and find all of our Ave Explorers Catholic Family Life series over there. I think when you're single, you think that sex is just all of marriage. Like you, you just think about it like, oh my gosh, it's me all the time. Like, no, that's like the cherry on top. But you, again, if you don't have a friendship, you're you're in trouble because... Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardest part of our relationship was the dating engaged part, because that's when we had to really argue. 
And both of us kind of came from backgrounds where you just avoid arguing, you avoid talking, and you have to, have to, have to be able to talk about things. Mm-hmm. Because that's when you start, I feel like a lot of people don't do that until they're married. And then the first year of marriage is rough because you haven't talked about these tough issues. So Bobby and I in engagement and dating, we just had to, like, I felt personally hurt you know, when he had to have alone time, I'm like, but I'm an extra, like, I want to spend every waking moment with you. And Bobby, I had to learn that it's not a personal thing. It's just that in his temperament, he's a, you know, a melancholic caller, like he needs alone time. And that's not anything against me. It's just that he needs to reset. He needs to. So there were things like that. And then things that just. There's communication. Communication is so important. So even with kids, um, again, this person is on your team, your teammates, you're doing this together. So the other thing is too, we have to laugh. We laugh so much in our marriage. I'm such a big proponent, like, please marry somebody who you can be joyful with. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, some personalities aren't laughy, laughy. I have some friends like this where they're like, they're not, but at least have joy. It doesn't have to be like you're laughing on something, but Bobby actually does make me laugh. Even when we're like in arguments, he'll find a way to make me laugh. And I'm like, oh, stop it. Like you're, yeah. I'm mad at you right now. <laughs> He's like the Catholic Chip Gaines kind of like where he just makes the comment. And you're like, come on, you know. Um, I'm trying to be mad at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for me, like joy and then communication is huge. Being able to really, because, again, if you come from a family background where you're just taught to avoid conflict, you're going to have to get over that in marriage. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about Because what I see a lot of, I see a lot of couples who, they, they can't talk about issues. And so it builds up resentment. And after 20 years, the bottle just blows, the cap blows off the bottle. And you're like, I can't do this anymore. And somebody's like, let's go to counsel, like therapy. And they're like, nope, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it's just done because one but person can't do it. It festers, right? Like you've got to bring things to the light to be able to either heal or to, to fix the problem from the get-go. Um, I mean, big or small, obviously like my marriage is not going to corrode because Tommy doesn't put the top back on the toothpaste. But if it was something much more substantial, like we would, we would hash that out. We would dig through the dirt. Some people, it's like little things, like they just feel like they're not being listened to. They're not right. hurt. And I, I actually see women where like, they'll bring up stuff to their, their spouse and they feel like they're having the same argument because mm-hmm. the husband's not listening. Like they're just not hearing them. And I'm sure that happens to the, the, the men too. Um, but a lot of women are in general, more communicative about right. things or naggy, I guess. some people. <laughs> so how do you think then that prayer can help with that? I mean, cause prayer is really like this bearing of your soul to God to sort of do it together is really kind of this double, you know, it's really pulling back the layers of what's going on inside of my head, my heart, what I want to take to Jesus, not a passive aggressive, like I'm going to pray about this. So they know that it's bugging me like, Oh Lord, please make him nicer in the kitchen. Like that's not. But what, you all wrote this book forever, this devotional for couples to both walk through. It's my standard wedding gift. A nativity set and forever is what every couple gets and something from the registry. I'm not a monster. But why? where did that book come from? Like, what was your desire to help couples pray together? Was it because you knew that that's the solution sometimes? Yeah, it was a Holy Spirit moment of we were feeling called to write something for married couples. And then we were approached by... Um, some contacts I had had with the Pauline sisters. The nuns came after us. <laughs> the nuns got the marriage book published. I love it. They came for us. Well, the funny thing was that one of them was taking classes because they had a, a center in Miami where my minor seminary was. And so there was a couple of them taking classes with us, the seminarians. Yeah. Mm. Just having a woman in the room was was refreshing. Oh, yeah. Literally, like, just the smell and like the whole like... <laughs> 
and there were a couple of Spitfires. Uh, there was a sister Marlene that would just put us all in our places, like in a joyful way. Like we, yeah. the big sister we all needed. And she kept in touch and, and said, Hey, would you guys like to write this book that, so this is kind of the meeting of the minds and God blessed it. And, um, well, she said, there's just a lot of, there aren't any Catholic devotionals. They're all, they're all Protestant. Like we don't have any devotionals for married couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so, and so just knowing again, like it is an intimate thing and we're not always taught how do you pray together? And it's an awkward thing. So it would help to have some kind of format that isn't like the Summa to read every night. It's like, <laughs> I've got only so many brain cells left here, especially if you've got kids. And so it's like a page reflection that really walks you through the, theology of the body theology of the body, and the church's beautiful vision of marital love. Yeah, like catechetical, John Paul II. So you catechetical. can give it to someone who is engaged, um, seriously dating, They've been married for 20 years. If they really know TOB, I guarantee you there's different like nuggets and different insights that will come to light. And then there's like a practical challenge of talk to, ask your question, like ask, ask your spouse this question and then pray together with this theme. This prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have people who know theology of the body. They may already know all the catechetical stuff, but there are questions. We had a friend, they've been married for 20 years, and they were like, you know, we would have never asked these questions. Mm-hmm. So there's things I'm, I'm learning about my spouse that you would not normally ask. Like, well, right. back in your you know, childhood, like, how this is this. So, so if, you, and if you don't know theology of the body, so for those people, like, the catechetical stuff will be beautiful because the church's teachings are beautiful on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is the dialogue. It, yeah, 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 exactly. Because if... if the church is just, they've got all these rules and I got to jump through these hoops to get married in the church. If that's your vision of what the love story is. That's pretty sterile. It's, it is absolutely sterile. And it's like Christ is promising so much more for us, a life in abundance. It's John ten ten, And so this, we wrote it and um, it's been a blessing to see how many couples have received it and have used it or passed it on. Yeah. Well, and that you bring up the word abundance. I mean, I think that's a, a concept... We're not, we're not called to passive, like, okay, yeah, my marriage is okay. Things are fine. I mean, you can have a fine day, but like truly at the end of the day, like when you think back on the time together as a couple or, or five months in a pandemic or that fourth baby comes home or that, you know, first baby finally gets conceived after years of infertility, like all of these moments are meant to be moments of abundant joy. Um, as life runs fast, I don't think any married couple would say that their life is slow, especially at the phase we're all in raising kids, careers changing the whole nine yards. Um, what are a couple of things you guys do to really make sure you're focusing on each other every day or you're balancing? Like you made the comment, like give him time to work out or, you know, she needs to go see friends or, but like, what are a couple of tips, maybe practical things that bring that balance and focus as, as it's busy? I mean, for us, yeah, Bobby needs to work. Like he needs to work out. So that's like, and it's more like a mental thing instead mm-hmm. of physical vanity. It's like uh, he needs like just his alone time, and that's how as it. Um, it's half melancholic, half half chastity. Tom, Tommy's the same way. From noon to one, I don't bug him. He's outside working out in the yard. Yeah, yeah. It's the chastity portion. Like my, my energy needs to go somewhere. Yeah, the, if you're doing NFP and you're like we're avoiding right now, he's like, all right, I'm gonna take a run. Uh, you know, so that's helpful. And then our kids go to bed at like eight, eight thirty. It used to be like seven, seven thirty, but then time changes. Ugh the daylight saving stuff or the non-daylight we can't stand the time the sneaky thing. devils push it back <laughs> <laughs> so it's like 8 8 30 and then that's our alone time and that's when we hang out 
or we have like some quiet, like separate quiet time reading, and then we come mm-hmm. together to watch, you know, a, a TV show or a movie or something. Um, but I will say, being married to a personality that is a servant heart is like for me as a wife, it's awesome because I know, I know in the situations where the husband is like the sanguine choleric and the wife is a melancholic. And if the husband isn't like a servant heart, naturally, it's, it's just tough on a woman because women in general, we feel like we have to do everything. We're like, we have to clean the house, we have to raise the kids, we have to do this. It's like, so Bobby helps me so much by, he really is like, what do you need? You know, that kind of stuff. Like, and, and just doing cute things like last night on, <laughs> on YouTube, we have like sometimes um, like bonfires. It's just like the crackling bonfire so or the it, fireplace. Part of it is just to start transitioning <laughs> the kids to bedtime like to fall asleep. So you put on like a fireplace or do something to like start winding them down. And so YouTube's got all these animated backgrounds. And Is you it can the Ron Swanson one? Please tell me it was the Ron oh, Swanson one. <laughs> We've done all 41 minutes of that during Christmas. So yeah. Um, but they have like, if you want to be on an old train, if you want to be in a winter cabin. Oh, they have ones. I've watched beach ones, which is like the waves laughing. And that's like real. That's not like animated. It's like actual real. It's like a four, four hour. Just yeah. just a loop. And so last night I saw one that was like a coffee shop and there's rain outside. Okay. And so it's like, you're in this like cute coffee shop and Bobby, we put it, I put it on and it's just dark and and the kids are kind of winding down and Bobby like brings me, like he has Abby pretend like she's a little waitress and she brings me over a little chocolate and then he brings me a latte, like a decaf latte. I'm like, oh, again, like things like that that are super cute. You didn't. The Hershey's drizzle. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, you know, oh. we watch when we watch Chef's Table and stuff, you know, like the little drops of chocolate <laughs> on the plate. So it's things like that that are super sweet. And just like, again, he, and as a woman too, to be able to really like, like to voice what you need. Because again, I know a lot of wives that feel like it's all in them, but I'm like, you need to voice that. So for Bobby, I say, hey, it would be really helpful if you could help me with this. Like, it would help me a lot. Like, I feel overwhelmed with this. Could you help me with yeah. that? Honesty. Yeah. Honesty, yeah. Because we we men can be obtuse and not pick up on the signs that our spouse is stressed or and he wants to get, you know, gardening done or get something in the house done. And you well, need even to- when you have a newborn. Like, I just, yeah. there's type days I just want to cry. Mm-hmm. I'm just overwhelmed that I have a baby attached to me 24-7 and I haven't had any relief. And so he's like, what can I do for you? Like, mm-hmm. how can I help you? What do you need to do? Yeah. You know, um, when you two are, are in a unique situation too, when we're not in a pandemic, Jackie, you're traveling. So there's also this very much a, a leaning on one another to run things when the other is gone. Yeah. Um, how do you make that work? Well, thankfully my parents live 10 minutes away. So that is super helpful. My mom is very helpful. She has more energy than we do. My mother, who's 70. I can attest to that. I've met her many times. Yes, she has more energy than I do. But she's helpful. And then Bobby, again, he's just had to go through it by fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you got you don't know what you don't know. So you learn. Yeah. That's why I sent Tommy to you. <laughs> hey, talk to Bobby. He'll tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. So I use, you figure it out. You communicate. You make it work. Because, um, again, I, I think God's called her to this, this mm-hmm. preaching and speaking and music. And I want her to support. I want to support her in that. And it's like, I want her to do as long as she feels called to do it. So it's just, again, a matter of balancing um, our own responsibilities with making sure the kids, you know, we're raising them, yeah. we're not offloading them. All the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, so with first baby, well, before the first baby, we were traveling together a lot. We could speak together. First baby, we still, Bobby would come with me. Um, and we would, I would take the baby with me for like a year while I was nursing. And um, he would come, we'd speak together. 
But then second baby, that's when it got harder because someone would have to come. I would have someone travel with me and then someone would get home. So that helped because Bobby, my mom, um, I, and I would try to do less things during the week. Mm-hmm. Actually now really, I try to do less things during the week because Bobby's working at the school and it would be like, and yeah, it's just hard because then Bobby would be at school. My mom would be home with the kids and then I'd have to have a third person come and help me. No, so, not a coordinating. Oh my gosh. That was the most stressful part for me was the coordinating part. Like it would stress me out to have to figure out who could come with me, book their flight, all this stuff. So anyway, so Bobby, first baby or second baby, you know, it was just trial by fire. Like he, the first day he's left home for a weekend with the kids and, you know, I'm like, you know what, if you got to feed him cereal, you're good. Like, I don't care. You know, like if they have to have pizza, I'll like, just keep them alive. <laughs> Cause See you know, Sunday. <laughs> I keep cooking, but Bobby's like, I don't, he just, you know, he doesn't have yeah. really learn how to boil like an a, egg. Would you like a Pop-Tart or a, <laughs> or a bagel bite? Tommy would outsource it and they would just go on a date and he'd be like, we're, we're just going out. <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to go get a hot dog from somewhere. Yeah. So we have a lot of support from family. By, <laughs> by the way, guilty pleasure. I really like watching the exquisite like chef's table, like those kind of things while eating. Cheez-Its. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the two of you are a picture of both a healthy, abundant marriage, having been in your home many times um, with the greatest queso I think anybody can make, or cheese dip, as we call it in my part of the country. Um, it comes from having like a healthy relationship mm-hmm. in, your, in yourself with God. Right, right. So even when this, even if Bobby and I, our prayer together is not doing great, we have to make sure our prayer with God is great. And then we have to communicate like, hey, we need to start praying better together again or with our right. family family so but because we are we have our own relationship with god that is so necessary in a marriage yeah well it's i mean a marriage is covenant right it's 100 100 not 50 50 so you still have to be a full person to bring the hundred i mean that's a silly way to put it but i guess here at the end then my last question is just simply like a couple that's listening to this newly engaged um, or newly married or, you know, the old married couple that might be kind of hitting that. My sister's a canon lawyer and she reads cases all the time of these marriages 20, 30 years in that just go kaput. And what what really is the nugget of advice to give to a married couple to keep it healthy, holy, happy and and really thriving? What are you thinking, Mar- I, I can say, um, I mean, for me, Christopher West used to say this, and it, it, he, he realized 10 years into his marriage. And so we, Bobby and I started our marriage thinking this, is that your spouse doesn't satisfy every part of you. They are not, they are not God. And so only God can satisfy every desire of your heart. And if you think your spouse is going to do that, there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. So going into marriage, realizing like, and, I, and I've told this to couples who've been married for 20 years, and you can see like, oh my gosh. Like again, I've used my spouse to be the source of all my happiness. Mm-hmm. And if they disappoint me, it's, it hurts a lot. Now granted, it hurts when you get in an argument or whatever. But I would say that to any couple. It's like, your healing comes from God. Like the best thing you can do to be healthy and holy is allow God to heal you. Again, bring up those those issues, all that stuff, bring it to God, allow him to heal you. And that will absolutely bring for a healthier marriage. Mm-hmm. But besides, gosh, I would say besides that part of the satisfied communication, friendship, having my best, my favorite definition of marriage is friendship with romance. Mm-hmm. It has to be friendship with romance because that, that physical stuff will go away. Um, if you don't have a deeper love 
that keeps that romance going because mm-hmm. if all it is is physical, that's going to, I read a study that said after four years of marriage, that stuff goes away, whatever chemical in your brain, the honeymoon, the whatever, unless you have a deeper friendship, that's going to fade. Right. Have something that's drawing it deeper to deeper romance. Yeah. Cause you're attracted to the person, not because of how they look or what they've done, but like who they are, you know, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. For money, you're not just marrying them for their looks or physical. You know? Right. What would you say, babe? Put the cap on the toothpaste. <laughs> I'm gonna make Tommy listen. Cap on the toothpaste, bro. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, be fair, I don't hang my towel back up, and when I magically walk back into the bathroom the next morning, it's oh, on. Oh, I So we all, yeah. <laughs> I, I harp on Bobby for biting his nails or for not putting enough soap on the whatever when you wash the dishes, but I know I do annoying things too. Yeah. Leave 17 glasses of water around the house. That that too. Coffee cups that have a dead cockroach in it a week later because somehow that happened last week. That was the moment where I realized we might be living in squalor and need to clean this house. (laughs) The pandemic has attacked us. We understand that. Yep. The practical thing I'd say is remember, like throughout the Old Testament, God has to say to the Israelites, remember, 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 because we are awful at remembering. And in romance, it is so easy, again, to go on autopilot or to allow the kids to, you know, rightfully take up a lot of energy that you forget to romance the other. You don't remember what brought you two together in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so to remember your first love. That's in Revelation, Revelation, too. Remember the love you once had. And talking about God, but you need to do that in marriage, too. Remember that love. Yeah. And I actually remember reading an article about this, how when couples watch their wedding videos or you relook at pictures, it helps rekindle that feeling, that remembrance of that feeling you had. And I and I actually read a study too that said like, if you call, I read a lot of psychology studies about marriage and all that stuff. But one of them was saying like, if you have nicknames for each other, mm-hmm. um, I call I call Bobby Mimu because when we would watch The Office, I'd go Mimu, 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 Mimu. <laughs> and I, so I, I call him my Mimu. Like I just call him, oh, we have funny nicknames, but even yeah. like, they, in psychology, they're like, if you even have nicknames for your spouse, that again brings back a childlike. I think it's like a childlikeness and joy that you're not just like Bobby, Robert, you know, like, wife. <laughs> my, yeah, wife, you know, <laughs> that we have sweet nicknames for each other. And that again, that brings back like, oh yeah, you're my, you're my boo, you know? Yeah. Well, or it's th- funny when the kids start calling you by them. They're like, hey, babe. <laughs> say, that story of Abby calling you babe brings me the greatest joy. <laughs> I was like, it's not your babe, it's my babe. Yeah, well, we're, we're somewhat in that with Rose now. She thinks that she's married to Tommy. Oh, yeah, that's the sweetest. We're just going to let it ride. Her life's about to drastically change in a few weeks. We're just going to... Yeah, they either want to marry our girls. They're like, I want to marry daddy. Or they're like, I want to marry I want to marry Johnny. Like, they want to marry their baby mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we'll tell you that in a few years. We'll discuss... Uh, well, in Florida. <laughs> Guys, thank y'all so much for taking the time. Where can we find more about all things Jackie and Bobby Angel. You can go to JackieandBobby.com or both of us. I've been taking a hiatus from social media lately, but in general, Instagram. <laughs> I haven't been on like three weeks. It's been refreshing. Um, yeah. Uh, on YouTube, every week, we've got a video with Ascension that comes out. So yeah, if you type in Jackie and Bobby on YouTube, you'll see our videos. Um, I'm at Jackie Francois. Looks like Franco is on Instagram. You're, are you Bob. What are you? Bobby.angel. We'll link them. You can't find me. I'll find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ron Swanson's off the grid. We'll, we'll link them down in the show notes and share your book on discernment, uh, your book on praying together as a couple. Thank you guys so very much. 
Thank you. We love you, Katie. Thanks for the work you do. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> I was supposed to be in Southern California at some point this summer and would have gotten to see my friends. This was as good as we were going to get in the year of 2020. Now that we're in the midst of this pandemic, I did get to see them back in February. But as you can tell, Jackie and Bobby are great, so full of joy. It's precisely how their kids are. It's precisely how their home is. Um, I'm glad that you got to, to listen to some of their wisdom and their insights. You know, they're, they're a young married couple. They've, they're in the trenches with little kids. They're in the trenches of figuring it out. And when they say that prayer is important, it, it really is. It was in Jackie and Bobby's house. I was hanging out with them um, at L.A. Congress uh, back in 2018, and it was my last event before I was headed to Rome for the pre-synod gathering of young adults uh, in anticipation of the, of the extraordinary synod on young people coming up that fall. And before I left, Bobby kind of pulled me aside and he said, hey, we'd really like to pray over you. Um, you know, it's, it's a big trip and, and it's a lot. And you, and you get to do this really cool thing with the church. And so right there in their living room, gathered together with their kids and with some friends of ours, we prayed and they, they laid hands on me and it was remarkable. It was beautiful. So they're not just talking about prayer. They are prayerful people. And I think that's a, an important lesson for all of us. What kind of prayer are we incorporating within our marriages, within our relationships, within our family life? We've, we've got some upcoming episodes talking about prayer specifically with kids. You can go watch the, um, the Whitaker Ave Live where we, we sat down with Catherine and Scott Whitaker and, and they shared kind of some of the non-negotiables and prayer and teaching their kids to pray is one of them. You know, you really have to ask yourself, just like I said at the start of the episode, what is prayer to you? Do you like to do it? And if you do, how is it becoming more of a priority in your life? And can you make it more of a priority within your relationships, especially if you're married? All of this, of course, is part of our Ave Maria Press, Ave Explores series on Catholic family life, where you can find all of this stuff that we're creating, new podcast episodes, the Ave Lives on Tuesday nights, the weekly email blast that includes articles and special social media content and, and things that I think will be very fruitful and life-giving to you, to your family, to your relationships. You can click on over to AveMariaPress.com and you can find all of the info right up at the top of the page where you can sign up to subscribe. We have a great gift basket that you can win. Um, so go check out the Ave Maria Press Facebook page where you can enter to win a pillow and some books and some other really cool things that kind of capture the beauty of Catholic family life. You know, this podcast, of course, uh, is one that we're really proud of. We're, we're coming up on 60,000 downloads. I think we've actually hit that. And we'd be grateful for a rating and a review so that that number can only grow and more people can find this show and listen to these awesome interviews and really glean and gather the wisdom of all of our guests. Um, you can find all of the old episodes over on the Ave Maria Press website or anywhere where you get your podcast: Apple Play, Google Play, Spotify, um, wherever you find your shows. We also have a new Ave Maria Press podcast that we want to tell you about called Ave Spotlight, a Monday morning show with myself and Father Dennis Strack. We give our hot takes for the week of what's going on in the news and in the culture. We have a, a quick interview with a guest expert about a topic that's important to the both of us. And then we offer a word of hope at the end of the show to just encourage people uh, to be hopeful throughout the week. So you can find Ave Spotlight in all the same places you can find Ave Explorers. We hope you start listening to that as well and enjoy it. As always, we're grateful you're with us on this Ave Explorers journey. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next time.